the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon and welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio. This is Attorney Bob Bergman based out of San Jose, California. Welcome to the show today. First of all, I wanted to to share with you the various ways that you can contact me. You can email me at radio at lawbob.com. That's L-A-W-B-O-B dot com. That's also the URL for my main website, lawbob.com. And if you email me, you can also request a copy of my California Consumer Guide to Wills, Living Trusts, and Estate Planning, which I will be happy to deliver to you at no charge whatsoever. This 40-page guide covers things like probate and conservatorship, different types of planning options, uh, inheritance planning for your spouse or partner, children or other heirs, planning for your retirement plan assets, charitable planning, planning for life insurance, and many, many other things that I think you will find valuable uh, if you take the time to read through the guide. You may also go to my website at lawbob.com to book an estate planning consultation. You can book right through my online calendar. You can also book for a probate or trust administration consultation called an estate administration consultation on my website. And that would be if you are now taking over as the executor under somebody's will, or if you're the successor trustee of a trust, Or if you're a beneficiary of one of those and you want to come in and talk about what your rights may be, you can use the estate administration consultation link to book a consultation for that purpose. I also want to urge you to uh, go back and listen to podcasts of my show at uh, keydayow.biz, B-I-Z, if you wanted to hear earlier shows or if you wanted to listen to this show again or refer it on to someone to listen, you can always visit kdow.biz. You might want to also considering my YouTube channel, Law Offices of Robert P. Bergman, where I have things such as my Living Trust Seminar and my Retirement Plan Trust Seminar that can be viewed online. They're each about 45 minutes in length. If you'd rather come and see me in person, you can always register for one of my free Living Trust Seminars or Retirement Plan Trust Seminars by going to my website at lawbob.com and looking for the link to Living Trust and Wealth Preservation Seminars. There you'll see a calendar 
where you can find available dates and times for those seminars, and you'll be able to click through and register directly through Eventbrite. Uh, Make sure that your spot is reserved. Seminars in my office are usually limited to no more than 13 or 14 people because of space limitations. So uh, go back and check. Uh, You'll see upcoming seminars. As a matter of fact, there will be seminars tomorrow morning in my office, the Living Trust Seminar and the Retirement Plan Trust Seminar. So if you'd like to attend one or both of those, visit my website at lawbob.com. A few shows ago, I introduced a new segment for the show that I called Questions and Comments. This section had to do with various questions that I located on websites that catered to consumers who wish to ask questions of attorneys in various fields of the law, including estate planning and trust. I want to continue that today with several new matters that came to my attention in the last week or so. And uh, I'm going to give my commentary on them. I want to uh, urge you, please don't take what I say and say that that's the last word on the subject. If you have a similar situation yourself, it's very important that you seek legal counsel wherever you happen to be located in California. And don't take what I say as being the absolute last word on any subject that I talk about. So let me go into the first one that I see here. This is a situation where it was asked that if a husband, wife, and son are joint tenants on a piece of real property, and then the husband and wife put their two-thirds interest in a trust as community property, did that break the joint tenancy? Now, let me explain. A joint tenancy is basically where two or more people own property, whether it's real estate or some kind of personal property, and it has the features that they acquired their interests all at the same time. They have exactly equal interests in the property, and that when one joint tenant dies, all of the other joint tenants automatically receive the interest of the joint tenant that died by operation of the laws of the state of California. This means there's no probate necessary or anything else like that to pass the interest to the surviving joint tenants. Now, that can be advantageous with certain types of accounts like bank accounts and things, but it's probably not advantageous uh, for married couples to use anything like that. And it could be a very bad problem if you have unrelated parties or even siblings Um, doing a joint tenancy like that. In this particular question, um, yes, the joint tenancy was broken by the husband and wife putting their two-thirds interest into a trust as community property. Uh, The question then went on to ask, if the husband and wife both die, is the son's interest only one-third since the other two-thirds were put in the trust? The answer is probably yes. The son would have a one-third interest as a tenant in common, meaning that it's separately owned. There's no longer a joint tenancy. And the interest of the husband and wife would likely be passed through their trust, depending on what their trust said, whoever's going to receive that interest. Now, it may end up actually being the son. I don't know from the question whether or not that's the case, but that's kind of a brief explanation of that particular situation. Here's another interesting one out of Los Angeles. 
apparently there's someone whose ex-spouse tried to hide property from them uh, in case uh, a claim was ever made for child support. And the ex-spouse took his home and put it into his mother's name. Now, after the mother died, the ex-spouse's sister took control of the trust. And rather than turning the property back over to the ex-spouse, she decided to leave the home's deed as part of the value of the trust and have it count towards the distributive share that the ex-spouse was going to get from his mother's estate. So, in effect, what this would mean is he's only going to get back his own house that was already his that he transferred to his mother to try to avoid potential child support claims in the future. Now, setting aside um, the issue of whether or not doing a transfer like that is actually fraudulent, which it might very well be, the question is, is there anything that can be done for him to get his property back and not have it count as part of the share of his of the distribution of his mother's estate? Well, this kind of transfer might very well be what's called a constructive trust. And that means that the transfer was not intended to be a permanent transfer to the mother, but was intended for the mother to, in effect, hold the property in trust for her son until he asked for it back. Uh, Apparently, he's paid the property taxes for over 10 years, which means he might even have an adverse possession claim, which is a different kind of claim against the property. But what he could do is he could conceivably go to court and insist that the property is, in fact, or was in fact held in a constructive trust by his mother for his benefit, or in the alternative, that he should be able to adversely possess the property because he's the one that's been paying the property taxes for the last 10 years. Kind of a confused situation, but he might have a chance at actually getting the property back and not have it count against his distributive share. Now, in the second segment of the show today, I'm going to go over some other of these situations that have come up across here in California. So I want you to sit tight, go get your favorite beverage during the break, and I'll be right back. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Welcome back. I'm going to continue on with some more interesting situations that have come up here in California. I'm going to start with a pretty straightforward one. Someone asked the question, what happens if an executor of an estate cannot be found? And the question was, will the bank holding the trust, now let's explain right here, the person really means the successor trustee of a trust, not the executor of an estate. They want to know, will the bank release the funds to the beneficiaries according to the deceased's wishes? In other words, whatever the person wanted. Well, the short answer here is that if we're talking about monies being held by a trust in a bank and there's no successor trustee, then an interested party may need to petition the court in the county where this is located in order to be appointed as the trustee in order to then go into the bank and take over that account. An interested party would probably be one or more of the beneficiaries of the trust, uh, presumably children, but whoever they happen to be 
would likely have to petition the court because otherwise there's no real way to release funds unless there's someone that actually has the authority to do that. Here's kind of a little bit of a cautionary tale, and it has to do with a situation where someone's being sued by their children over uh, the father's estate, that would be the children's grandfather's estate, where they have a will that leaves them everything. But the will was done in 2004, and there's a later will that was discovered in a home safe that was signed by uh, two witnesses that was written in the past few years, which is, of course, after 2004. So the question is, does the later will override the earlier will? The short answer is, if the later will was executed with the proper legal formalities, which appears it was, it looks like the neighbors of the grandfather actually witnessed the will and signed the, and then signed as witnesses, then it would override the previous will. Here's a uh, brief medical question. Someone's mother passed away and left $3,000 as an inheritance through her trust to this person that's currently on Medi-Cal. Um, person would rather have the Medi-Cal insurance than the $3,000. They wanted to know if they can disclaim their inheritance in order to stay on Medi-Cal. The short answer is that the person might be better served actually taking the money and then spending it down in order to continue qualifying for Medi-Cal. There are a number of things that might be able to be purchased that would then mean at the end of the month, the person has less than $2,000 left in the bank, which is pretty much one of the requirements to qualify for Medi-Cal. Here's another cautionary tale that comes out of Southern California, and it really, really illustrates the need to do proper estate planning before someone becomes unable to do any more planning. This person has parents both in their 80s. Last year, mom became seriously demented and basically cannot understand what's going on around her. Uh, Mom and dad had to move out of the home that they've owned for 30 years into a, a supported apartment, meaning an apartment where they're actually receiving some support from the facility. Mom didn't have a power of attorney, a will, or a living trust. And the question is, can dad sell the home on his own, if no one would object, without mom's signature? Well, first of all, dad can't sell the house at all without authority to sign mom's name. And because there's nothing in place ahead of time, dad is going to have to go into the probate court to either establish a conservatorship over his wife, giving him authority to then sell the home. Uh, He's going to have to spend money to do that, probably have to have an attorney to do that. It's going to take quite some time to do that. And, uh, And he can't really do anything except maybe rent out the property. He could lease the property. That was another question, because he is an owner. But he couldn't do a lease to own because she would need to sign off on that. That would be someone renting the property with a view towards buying the property at some point in the future. So really, there are no alternatives to getting a probate conservatorship for mom. Dad could conceivably apply to the court under, I believe it's section 3100 of the probate code, for a single action, which would be to give him authority to do the single act of just selling the 
uh, the property and reducing the funds to cash. Uh, but the problem is that still involves going to probate court. Now, a, a corollary, another question to this is, if the family waits to sell it until after mom or dad has died, is there a step up in the cost basis for income tax purposes of the entire property to the current value? The answer to that is that if it can be demonstrated conclusively that the property is and was intended to be community property owned by mom and dad in their marriage, then that means the new value for income tax purposes will be the fair market value when either mom or dad dies. That's actually important part of estate planning, both to get that new valuation when the first spouse dies and to get a whole new valuation all over again of 100% of the value when the second spouse dies. And if you're interested in more information about that, give me a call at 408-247-0444 or email me at radio at lawbob.com and we can start a conversation. Now, here's what should be a pretty quick one. Someone asked the question, uh, if there's a trust and all of the beneficiaries had the funds distributed to them except one, and then the trustee is keeping the money for that one beneficiary after going to court, which sounds like the money was being held in trust for that one beneficiary by the trustee, and then the trustee's ordered to pay the last beneficiary, can the trustee file for bankruptcy and avoid having to pay the money that's owed? Well, first of all, if the money is truly in trust in bankruptcy, that property is not owned by the trustee at all and is not subject to the bankruptcy of the trustee personally. So the short answer would be no, it's not. Now, here's one dealing with power of attorney and it might be surprising the answer to some people. Someone asked, can my older sister who's in charge of my mother's estate withhold all information from beneficiaries? Can uh, this sister withhold all financial information from mom's beneficiaries? The short answer is yes, because mom doesn't actually have any beneficiaries until mom dies. And until that happens, Nobody who might be a beneficiary of your estate is entitled to any of the financial information concerning mom's finances. If she has someone handling it for her, such as the older sister, the older sister actually really has an obligation not to disclose all that information to those people who are not entitled to that information at this time. They might be entitled to information after mom dies. So after the break, we're going to come back with more questions and comments. This is Bob Bergman. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, Plan Your Estate Radio. Uh, just a reminder, you can contact me at radio at lawbob, L-A-W-B-O-B dot com. 
Call my office at 408-247-0444. Visit my website at lawbob, L-A-W-B-O-B dot com. And visit my YouTube channel at the Law Offices of Robert P. Bergman, where I have informative YouTube videos that can answer many of your questions for you. In this third segment of the show today, I'm going to shift gears slightly, and I'm going to actually relate to you some of the cautionary tales uh, that I have garnered from colleagues around the country through the Wealth Council Network. Now, Wealth Council, an organization I belong to, is a national association of primarily estate planning attorneys, uh, over 5,000 attorneys nationwide, maybe approaching 6,000 now, uh, over 2,500 law firms. And with that many attorneys involved and that many estates and that many people and clients, as you can imagine, there are a number of horror stories that have come out of uh, Wealth Council members' personal experience. I thought I'd share some of these with you, even though some of them are actually from outside of California, because they illustrate a lot of important issues along the way. And pretty much in every case, it had to do with either a lack of estate planning poor estate planning, or even interfering with, with what otherwise might have been good estate planning. So here's one right here. Uh, client prepared his own revocable trust. He uh, purchased a homestead in the name of the trust. Now, this is probably uh, a state where they call it a homestead. That means a person purchased a personal residence, but then decided he wanted to change the terms of the trust. So instead of doing an amendment or an amendment and restatement, which means that you kind of replace the trust document with a new one, but you keep the original name and you keep the original establishment date. Instead, what the person did was create a brand new trust with a different name and a different establishment date but he left his residence titled in the name of his original trust. Then he died. Now, the effect of the revocation of the original trust is that the property in that trust goes back to his individual name, which is now his, what? His probate estate. He died without a will. So in other words, he prepared a trust, but he didn't prepare a will that said, take my property, otherwise subject to probate, and turn it over to my trust when I die. Because of that, under the laws of that state, he died intestate, meaning with no will. And what happened was, was that his two children from a previous marriage, from whom he was estranged, meaning that they just did not get along at all anymore, and he had completely cut them out of his plan, they ended up getting his residence. And in this case, in this state, it was subject to his wife's right to remain in the home for her lifetime called a homestead right. Now, here in California, the situation would have been that two-thirds of that property would have gone to his estranged children 
one-third would have gone to his wife because it would likely have been considered his separate property, separate from his marriage. But as you can see, he completely fouled up his estate plan with making an incorrect change to the distribution options that he wanted. Here's another one, and this one is classic. It might be one of the worst ones I've seen in a long time. This colleague of mine's in the middle of a $5 million probate where the testator, who's the person who created the will, went online to do his own will. Now, let's pause for a moment. There are lots of places you can go online to do your own will. I'm not going to mention them by name because I don't want to be sued by them for the things that I'm going to say uh, or may say. But the bottom line is you can download will forms. You can get wills from all over the place. You can almost find them printed on the back of a cereal box. What he did was he ended up with an eight-page long will, had it witnessed by three people, only two were actually required in his state, which is the same for California, and they also initialed each page. Now, that's not a requirement in California, but it's a practice that some people engage in. Later on, he decided to change his will. So instead of starting over with a whole new will or doing a, what's called a codicil to the will, which is effectively an amendment to the will, what he did was he took out the original four pages of his will and then stapled the new ones on top. So there were no witnesses to the changes, no new signature for the changes, Clearly also no initials on the pages. So page four ends at the end of a paragraph and page five starts in the middle of another paragraph. So he made changes, didn't even line up between the new pages and the old pages. So when this person died, and he died unexpectedly in his late 50s, uh, he died intestate, just like that earlier example, um, because his will, in this case, his will was invalid. This particular practitioner is in the third year of a complex and expensive probate. So in this case, using an online drafting form from a do-it-yourself program didn't pay off. It ended up costing the family a lot more time, effort, and money. Here's another one from another colleague of mine uh, elsewhere in the country. A um, few years ago, this attorney had a client with a $7 million estate that came to see him regarding doing planning. Uh, the client balked at the attorney's fees, meaning the uh, client thought the fees were too high, didn't go forward. Now, understand, this is a $7 million estate. So then when the client died unexpectedly, the daughter called to help with the estate. Now, the mother had done a holographic six-page will shortly after seeing the attorney. Now, a holographic will is one that's written out by hand, all in the own handwriting of the person who then subsequently dies. So this person made specific bequests or gifts of everything she had at the time, named her best friend as the executor in charge of her estate, named her then-church as the beneficiary of her house, named a favorite employee her mechanic, yeah, her mechanic, 
as trustee of a trust for the benefit of her granddaughter. Um, Most of her assets were in her business and did not include what's called a residuary clause, which is basically where does the property go if something has happened to the people that she's named as beneficiaries? Where does the property go then? Fast forward to date of death. At the time she died, she and the best friend had ended their relationship and they were very, very angry with each other and they weren't talking anymore. She'd left the church she was at at the time and was involved with a different church. She'd inherited land from her parents and while her original bill, property witness and executed, she attempted to take out the best friend in an unwitnessed codicil. Presumably not a holographic codicil, all in her own handwriting, just writing up saying, I'm taking out my best friend. In this estate, you can see the problems. The, it, the house is going to end up going to a church that she wasn't even involved with anymore. Um, there's new property she inherited There was that was not dealt with anywhere in her will. Uh, there was because there was no residual clause. In this case... This probate's been going on for five years now. The legal fees have exceeded $150,000. And during this time, the value of the business has gone down by 80%. And there's no end in sight for this family. This next one's a really bad one that actually comes out of Utah. Dad died and remarried when his oldest of two children was 17 years old. His wife, the stepmom, was loved by the kids and was married to the dad for nearly 30 years when he then died. The stepmom originally created a will leaving everything to the stepkids because she realized that everything she had had come from their father who had died. Years later, the stepmom began dating a fella and after a couple of months before moving in with him, set up a trust with an attorney who didn't specialize in estate planning complete with a pour-over will, again leaving everything to her stepchildren. Stepmom later marries the new boyfriend, which had the effect under Utah law of invalidating the distribution provisions of the will that she had signed before she got married. She then died and never funded the trust that she set up. All of the assets are still in her individual name. Under Utah law, because the children were never adopted by the stepmom and her will had been invalidated by her marrying her boyfriend later, guess who got the entire estate? The stepkids? Oh, no. The new husband. Even though he knew exactly where the money came from and what his wife's intentions had been, he didn't care a bit. And the stepkids end up getting nothing from the property that had been their father's. After the break, we'll come back and I'll share a few more stories before we wrap up things for the day. This is attorney Bob Bergman. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. 
I wanted to share a few more before we say goodbye today. So let's get right into it. Here's an attorney that drafted a will giving a very small amount to his mother, who is also his business partner in various commercial real estate projects, and the vast majority of his estate to his two children. A few months later, mom died and son came in to probate mom's will. It looked really familiar to the attorney. She had taken the son's will, and everywhere it had his name, she put her name, And everywhere her name appeared, she put his name. Now, it's amazing what you can do with a photocopier and cut and paste. Um, Now, to give her credit, she had it properly signed and witnessed. So, as to the distribution of assets, upon her death, a very small amount of her estate went to her son, and the vast majority skipped her son and went to her grandchildren. Now, the skip to her grandchildren triggered a special tax called the Generation Skipping Transfer Tax. In this case, Mom's estate ended up spending over $2 million in Generation Skipping Transfer Tax in order to save a few hundred dollars in attorney's fees for the will. The son ended up having to sell some of the commercial property to raise the money to pay the IRS the estate taxes. Unfortunately for the son, it was in a down market, and he was up against a hard deadline to sell. Those taxes, by the way, which don't affect that many people anymore, but the largest states where they are affected, those are due within nine months after the person dies. Uh, But the best part of this story, which I don't know if you'll get a kick out of, I certainly do, the mother had graduated from law school. Presumably, she should have known better than to try and do her own estate plan when she didn't have any particular expertise in doing that. Here's another problem with trying to do it yourself when planning for someone that has a disabled child. Uh, Dad wanted his son, who's disabled, to be able to continue to live in his home after he died or, if needed, use the proceeds from the sale to find a new home. He drafts a do-it-yourself trust naming eldest daughter as trustee and his disabled son as the sole beneficiary on death. He deeds the house to the trust, but there's no other assets in the trust and no will, meaning no pour-over will, to pour other things into the trust after dad died. Well, then he dies. The son is a recipient of Medi-Cal, meaning that he is actually getting benefits, health insurance being paid for by the government. He cannot live alone in the house, um, which means he needs to have a caregiver there or he has to live in another place. Problem is, there's no special needs trust provisions in the trust that dad drafted. There's also no liquid assets in the trust, uh, meaning no things like cash or stock that could be converted to cash quickly because all of those passed equally among dad's six children by private or beneficiary designations. He had bank accounts, brokerage accounts, things like that that said divide between uh, my six children. Except for the oldest sister, the other kids are not inclined to use their inheritance to take care of their disabled brother. So, house has to be sold. Dad's trust provides the disabled son will get his house proceeds outright. 
For a number of reasons, buying another house for the son to own outright is not a good option. So the options are now to have the son lose his Medicaid, which would be Medi-Cal in California, and see the son lose his Medi-Cal benefits because he now has a sum of cash that has to be spent down. Plus, when the son dies, the state can likely recover against the remaining monies that he has for the benefits that were paid for him before he inherited the house. Now, all of this could have been avoided if Dad had actually consulted with an experienced attorney and considered the disabled son's medical qualification and his ability to control assets without losing them or losing his benefits. Here's another great one that's out of Massachusetts, where there are some clients of this attorney who recently used an online financial personalities website. Um, The documents that were prepared referred to California laws, even though the people lived in Massachusetts. Even after contacting customer support at this online financial celebrities website, they were told that was fine because all such laws are the same. Now, understand, these do-it-yourself websites have no business advising anybody on the legality or non-legality of any documents that you can prepare through them. They're not attorneys, and it's called the unlawful practice of law. The people signed the trust and a restatement because the instructions told them to do that. The trust gave their children full power to declare them incompetent, and full discretion over distributions made to the parents. Now, this means, presumably, even if they weren't incompetent. A predeceased child share would have gone to the other children, not to that child's grandchildren like the clients actually wanted. Fortunately, these people came in to see this attorney, and they were willing to pay to draft a new plan that actually was more appropriate for them and accomplished what they wanted before anything happened to them, before one of them had died or they both had died. Estate planning is complicated, and it really shouldn't be undertaken without the assistance of a qualified expert. I am a qualified expert, and I'm here to help you and your family with your planning needs. Call me at 408 247 or lawbob.com. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman for Plan Your Estate Radio. Goodbye. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.